Good morning, everybody. Welcome to 613 Sports and the driving from Vanny. This is your boy, Carp in Vanny. Uh, looking at all things sports from the previous day. All right, guys. Um, so on the agenda today, um, I want to talk about the official that brawl that happened in Colorado between parents after a 12 year old um, umpire uh, blew a call. Uh, other thing I want to talk about is another historical day in the world of basketball for Canada yesterday with the NBA draft. They'll talk a little bit about the Raptors, um, sorry not the Raptors, the Red Blacks and their win last night against Saskatchewan. Also talk a little bit about uh, some rule changes in the NHL that's taking place as of uh, next season. So reports are coming out of Colorado that uh, there was a parent brawl during a seven-year-old Little League game uh, where a 13-year-old umpire, first-year umpire, um, seen as the youngest you can be to be an umpire is 13 years old, so this is definitely his first year being an umpire, uh, made a controversial call during a Little League baseball game um, and caught, ended up where parents from both teams stormed the field and started to get into a fist fight over the call. Now, this is something that's uh, starting to become a epidemic in sports, um, especially in the game of baseball. Um, I'm noticing a lot in baseball where human error can play a major factor in the way a game is called, whether bad call or good call is made, uh, strike zone, safe out all those uh little fa little things that can play a factor in a game um that is subject to human error gets argued by everybody now we're seeing this a lot in major league baseball where um uh, players and managers are coming out saying that um we should go to an electronic umpire where we should take the human factor out of the game Personally, um, I have been on both sides of uh, the field where either A, I was an umpire um, and a controversial call were to come up where I wouldn't need to make that decision and that call um, and have that, uh, that debate in my head whether or not it is the right time to make the call or whether or not I, whether or not I should make the call. Now, remember that you're putting the power to um, remove players, coaches, managers, fans from the game into a 12-year-old's hand. Now that is a very, very big power to have. So for this 12-year-old to make that controversial call and to get the backlash that they are getting, remember most of these kids are first-time umpires. So these kids are just learning the rules, are just becoming uncomfortable with making the rules being followed. That's why they give them seven-year-olds to, uh, to play to umpire because the the rules are very simple and are very black and white when it comes to the, those levels um, and these kids are just learning the author to gain their authoritative voice um, in these matters and to manage a game because that's what an umpire is an umpire or a ref is a 
game manager. They're, they're there controlling the flow of the game, make sure the rules are being followed, and make sure everything is going smoothly in that sense. So when a 12-year-old umpire is making these calls and gets yelled at by parents, gets yelled at by coaches, it's not fair for the kid. It's not fair for that umpire. Um, I've always been a firm believer of the of the two rules when it comes to being a player as uh, versus an umpire. Rule number one, umpire is always right. Rule number two, if the umpire is wrong, refer to rule number one. Now, as a catcher, um, I tiptoed around those rules. I will be the first one to admit that I tiptoed around um, arguing with umpires in a polite way. Leave the arguments to the players. Leave the arguing to the players. Don't and the coaches, they know what's going on. They know how far they can go. As parents, you think you have no responsibility. You think you don't have, you can just mouth off and say your piece because your kid is the best in the world. You don't. You are uh, subject to the same rules and regulations as the coaches in these cases here. So you are fully in the right to being removed from the field by these umpires. Now. Give it a 12-year-old being the first-year umpire, 12, 13-year-old being the first-year umpire might not go ahead and do that. I have done it. I have had to do it, and I I don't see it as a good thing. It should not have to be done, especially on the parent level. Um, so for it to have gotten done in a seven-year-old game, uh, seven-year-old's game, it's it's disgraceful for the parents and especially for the fact that it got into a full-on fist fight on the field what 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 are we what are you supposed to show now that oh you are more mature because you're an adult and you're older than the umpire no that umpire showed more maturity calling the game the way it should be called than you did arguing and get into a fist fight with other parents the the way the the way that officiating is being handled um all starts at the pro level like these professionals are, are arguing balls and strikes with an umpire let's be honest the strike zone is a quote-unquote invisible zone there's no lines to show the umpire where exactly the strike zone is so they're going based off of the rule book but based off their interpretation of the rule book so it's tough to it's tough to argue balls and strikes or or anything like that but you should not be arguing with an umpire there's a way to talk to umpires there's a way to talk to officials when you are disagreeing with them and there are ways where umpires will take it receptively like I said I was a catcher at a high level I ended up playing college baseball for as a catcher and there are ways to speak to these umpires there are ways to talk to these umpires even to the, to the point where I stopped being a, a uh, collegiate athlete and I ended up playing men's league I was still very respectful to my umpires if I did not like a call they knew it they knew it but I never raised my voice at them I never got into their faces I never actually got on their cases about a call being missed if an umpire missed a call I ask where was it where where did it miss where was the miss if the if they have an answer they haven't an answered if the if you're being respectful the umpire will admit I missed the call and chances are you are going to get a call back a call your towards your way as a makeup call further in the in the game if you are respectful to the umpires the umpires are going to be respectful for you so that's that's the whole point in these cases and we we as fans have to take ownership of this too 
we cannot go uh, in these junior leagues, midget leagues, bantam leagues, where the uh, referees and the officiating are more than likely amateur refs or amateur uh, umpires who barely get paid minimum wage, if, if that, um, to umpire your kids' games. Eventually, at one point or another, we are going to run out of amateur umpires to umpire or ref these games because parents are driving away these young umpires and referees from the game. They are, this 12-year-old kid is probably never going to umpire a game in his life because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have this situation again. And it's all because of the parents. So we need to take a step back. We need to let the officiating happen. We need to respect the calls. Like I said, rule number one, umpire or ref is always right. Rule number two, if ump or ref is wrong, refer to rule number one. That is how we should be teaching our kids in Little League. That's how we should be handling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we should not be getting into these arguments as parents with the refs or the umps. It's that simple. Let them do their thing. Let them learn on the job. These young, young adults, because once you start, once you're an umpire, you're an adult. I'm sorry, you're being thrown in the fire with crazy parents, crazy managers, who think their kid is the next best, is the next Mike Trout, is the next Sidney Crosby, is the next Pele, is the next Ronaldinho, Ronaldo. They're like. We have to take a step back. These kids are learning a new craft as well. They're learning to come into their own with roughing or umpiring. Let them do their thing. Let them learn. So yesterday was the NBA draft. Um, Record-breaking year once again for Canada. Not only are we adding a first-time championship to the country in the NBA, but also uh, we have had the most Canadians drafted in the first round this year with nine Canadians. Um, I'll start with A.J. Barrett uh, at the seventh spot going to the New York Knicks. Um, Honestly, the fact that he dropped down that low, he was projected to go number one um, a few years before Zion Williams came in, um, but Zion came in and just destroyed everything and destroyed the NCAA last year. Um, So he came in at the number one overall pick. Um, Experts are saying that he is going to be the best player since Anthony Davis to come out of the the draft first overall uh, to not only then the New Orleans uh, Saints at the time, I mean not the Saints, the New Orleans Hornets at the time, uh, now the Pelicans. So, that being said, um, great, great day in the in the basketball world for Canadians once again. Um, not only do we have uh, the uh, a couple, a lot of Canadians coming out of the first round, but more than new, more than uh, previous years. So that is a great sign for Canada basketball. Um, having all these guys, all these young guys coming out of the the NCAA. Being drafted first uh, first round. Uh, let's hope that at least uh, four of those uh, Canadians end up being great players um, and helping the Canadian program out with uh, growing and getting better at, on the world stage as well. Um, and I hope they have uh, great, great careers um, and everything. Uh, 
yeah, let's uh, let's hope they have great careers. Uh, so yesterday was a great draft, a good draft uh, for everybody. Um, not a, I, I did notice a lot of picks uh, that had the uh, intention to trade uh, marked on them. Um, so let's see how those uh, those pan out um, with moving guys around with get with especially the big free agent year uh, this year. Um, and still no news on Kawhi. Um, I know he was at the Blue Jays game uh, yesterday and he got a standing O uh, from the Blue Jays faithful. Um, but again, we're still waiting on news from that. Last night, the Red Blacks took on uh, Saskatchewan in the Canadian Football League. Um, and it was a very, very interesting game. Very good game. Um, you had two very young quarterbacks, or not young quarterbacks, there were two quarterbacks that are seasoned in the CFL, have been backups their entire career in Dominic Davis, and um, I honestly cannot pronounce uh, the guy's last name for Saskatchewan. I do apologize for that. But... Um, great great game uh both quarterbacks were really really good I don't, I don't think there was any interceptions all game um there was one fumble recovery by um the red blacks uh in the second quarter but all in all it was a very good game in fact actually it was a in my opinion a strange game for the two teams i expected it to be a low scoring scoring very high defense game and it turned out to be a uh, slugfest. It turned out to be a run and gun uh, type of game. And it was very interesting to watch. It was very close as well. They ended up, uh, Red Blacks ended up winning 44 to 41. Um, and Dominic Ryan had a fantastic game for uh, the Red Blacks as well with 11 receptions for totaling at 162 yards. Um, great, great game. Um, and yeah, so. That was, that was the interesting thing, because you have a Saskatchewan team that's been known for their defense. Yeah, they don't have their starting quarterback, and they probably won't have their number one quarterback back this season, but it, it was strange to see the Red Blacks put up 44 points pretty easily on what's supposed to be the number one defensive team in the CFL, um, and the Red Blacks defense did just enough to, to get them to win. Um, but Dominic Davis was a man on a mission yesterday, and he did really, really well. Um, as I mentioned, he's been in the league for four years. This is his first year as the number one guy, and he showed it. He showed why he's he was chosen over the other two for the number one spot with the Red Blacks. He played absolutely phenomenal. First quarter was a little bit of a struggle. He's saying that the sun was in his eyes. Um, he couldn't really see his open receivers. But that's the nature of TD Place. You're going to have to get used to that, especially for those 7.30 starts. Uh, the way that the sun sets um, on the north side, it's very, very bad until it gets past the uh, condos uh, and the uh, buildings around TD Place. But um, essentially, he did very well after that. He, made, he completed all his pass, almost all his passes, um, found the right targets, didn't try forcing anything into uh, into receivers. Um, in fact, I actually saw a lot of nice uh, nice lead passes he made. Um, yeah, it was a very very good game, um, all in all. So great job, Red Blacks. Uh, keep up the good work. You guys are now two and zero. I'm sure most of the experts were not expecting that to start out the season. Um, so keep up the good work. Uh, next week against, uh, I believe they play the Alouettes next week. Hopefully that's an easy win um, in Montreal.
Lastly, um, on this drive-in from Vanier, um, I want to talk about the new rule changes or rule tweaks um, that the NHL is uh, coming has put into place uh, the other day um, during the NHL reward, awards show. Uh, they've uh, announced that they want to. They are going to be expanding the video replay um, and tweaking the rule a little bit. So um, essentially, coaches right now have one challenge a game that they can either challenge an offside or a um, goalie interference call. And if they get it successful, they get one more back. Um, if they don't, they lose their challenge. That's it. That's all. There is. There's nothing more to, to it. Now. They are adding a few things to the video reviewable um, and not penalties. They're not reviewing penalties, uh, but they are adding high sticks, hand passes, and puck out of plays uh, to that um, that rule. Now, the rule is that if, as long as the puck stays in the, the offensive zone and a infraction that would have uh, otherwise stopped play during that sequence is what is reviewable however if the puck leaves the offensive zone or a new sequence of offense have happened um they are no longer it is no longer a reviewable play now i say that but this is all going to be um, under the ref's jurisdiction with what that is um so we'll see how it turns out but um the other aspect they are adding in is that the coaches have unlimited challenges however if they get a challenge wrong, the first challenge they get wrong in a game, they get a two-minute bench minor for delay of game. Um, and the second and and anything past two, if you get wrong, is a double bench minor for delay of game. So I like that idea. I like that idea because it's not just a throw in the hat, let's try this, let's see if we can get the play reversed um, and just burn a challenge. Right, because everyone just tries to burn a challenge at one point, um, whether or not it's right or wrong, just to see. But by implementing a a penalty or a uh, a, um, a consequence for an, for delaying the game for doing a video challenge, just to do a video challenge, I like that. It gives the coaches a little bit more like, uh, should I really challenge this? Um, I have a feeling that with that uh, consequence, you're not going to see as many uh, penalties, in, I mean, as many challenges in the game um, as people are anticipating because of the added um, reviewable plays. So we'll see with that one there. Uh, they've also added the fact that if, um, which one of the things that I was trying to say that they should implement in the game is the ability for refs to you utilize video review um, on their own when they gather as a as a group of officials just to get the call right. Uh, they're not going to be on a headset with Toronto. They're not going to be on a headset at all. They're just going to take the tablet, look at the replay, get the call right. I like it. I I think that it is a great thing. Um, they're going to start by implementing it with um, penalties, with uh, it, whether it is a delay of game penalty. Um, whether it's a high four minute or two minute high sticking penalty, um, the hits from behind, whether it is a uh, match penalty or just a major or just a uh, minor penalty. Now, they cannot reverse penalties. Let, let's get that straight. They will not be able to reverse a penalty. So if they get if they call a penalty and it's not actually a penalty, like a high sticking penalty, for example, 
um, and they're calling a four-minute penalty, but the stick was not the the infractor's stick, but a teammate's stick that hit the guy in the face. What they will be able to do is the penalty's already been called, so they will reduce the the four-minute penalty to a two-minute penalty. At least that's that's my understanding of the new rule. Uh, they're not going to be eliminating penalties with this, but they can reduce it from a four-minute to a two-minute. Or, on the flip side, increase it from a two-minute to a four-minute or a five-minute, mm -hmm. depending on the play. Now, um, I have a feeling that that increase from two-minute to five-minute match is if it's a um, headshot penalty or a um, check in for an illegal check from behind uh, penalty into the boards. I have a feeling it's going to be on those plays there that you're going to see it mostly. But I like the fact that it's not a challenge. It's the refs going to get the call right, right away. I like it. it. It reduces the potential of those silly one-game suspensions because um, the officials did not get the call right on the on the ice and only gave a two-minute penalty. That's what that's going to be. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that how that affects the game. Um, I like it. I like the fact that they're going to be giving the refs the ability to use the video review without calling Toronto, keeping it in house, using the using the tools at hand, um, and it's it's not contradicting the 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 officials. It's not going to be slowing the game down. It's just going to be getting the call right. I like it. I like that new uh, that new thing that uh, they are putting in place for that. Oh yeah, the um, the other thing that the uh, they they implemented as well is um, the helmet rule. Um, you have this rule in the in the CHL that if a player's helmet is dislodged off their heads, uh, they have to return to the bench right away. No questions asked. If they touch the puck without a helmet, um, it's a penalty. So. Um, the NHL is implementing a hybrid version of that rule uh, where if a player's helmet is dislodged it's one of two things either a um, you need to go to the bench sit out wait for your, for your helmet to come back and put your helmet back on or get a new helmet put your helmet back on um, or B go retrieve your helmet and securely place it back on your head now they, they mentioned that the chin strap does not need to be securely placed. It could be undone, but the helmet needs to be back on the player's head. Uh, that being said, they do have a penalty as well being implemented if a player without a helmet who is not involved in the immediate play, play continues on playing and plays the puck. So that being said, again, it, you're, you're, putting, you're putting a lot of... Um, of potential human error in this one as well where the ref has to take a take it to consider the back ref has to take it to consideration if the player is still involved in the play now I have a feeling that the first first couple first year will be very minimal you'll, you'll probably see a lot of it in the preseason as players are getting the feel out um, but in the regular season you're probably going to see a, min, a, a decrease in it from the preseason 
as players get a little bit more of the hang as to what constitutes being involved in the play without a helmet. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the refs are going to call this, how the refs, how the league is going to handle this. Um, definitely an interesting thing that that be implemented. I know they've been in talks with it with player safe, uh, player safety. Um, ever since the OHL and the, and the CHL put it in place where the players have to go back to the bench whenever a helmet is dislodged. It's, it's interesting to see um, exactly how the refs are going to call it. Um, the, other, uh, the other rule change that they've put in uh, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting as well is if the puck is brought, put out of play by the offensive team, no matter where it is in the offensive zone or if it was deflected or not, it's now a um, face-off in the offensive zone um, and not in the neutral zone uh, to the selection of the team that uh, to the offensive team. So it's no it's no longer a rest decision as which face-off dot to put it at. It is the offen- It is the attacking team that will decide which dot to put it at. Um, so that, that's a few of the new rules that they've put into place uh, that they're going to be putting into place next year. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm interested to see how everything plays out in the po- in the preseason. Um, there's a few other rule changes. Um, if you guys want to take a look at that uh, on NHL.com, uh, they have it. They have it all laid out right there um, from Gary from their blog, their articles, and their bloggers from NHL.com. Just take a look at that. Anyways, guys, that's it for me for today. Thank you for. listening to the driving from Vanier um, if you could give me a listen at uh, 613 sports I am now on Apple Podcasts as well um, also if you want to give me a follow at 613 sports on Twitter uh, with a zero instead of an O and a Z at the end um, that would be very much appreciated I try and post a new video every day and uh, it will be posted on my Twitter whenever new po- whenever new podcasts get uploaded well thanks guys have a great day